everyone. It's Robert Poole with the Growing Your B2B Small Business Podcast. In this episode, I interview a business hero who has a ton of experience in private partnerships like those opportunities that we tend to find in small business. He's got great tips and advice on what to do and what not to do when considering partnering with someone outside your company. Let's get started. Do you have a small business that sells to other businesses? If so, you probably know that there are plenty of resources for companies that market to consumers or companies that sell to large and Fortune 500 type companies. But what about the small businesses in the middle who sell to other companies? Where do we go to get answers? How do we grow our company consistently while still keeping our sanity? That's the question, and this podcast is the answer. If you're listening to this podcast, you're part of an elite group of achievers who aren't willing to settle for just a nine-to-five job. You're one of the heroes in our society, and you should be proud of it. Welcome to the tribe, and welcome home. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome. Uh, you know, we have a real treat today. I, you know, I believe that uh, small business entrepreneurs are some of the heroes in our society and don't get enough recognition. And, uh, you know, it's an incredible honor to interview guests that have a lot of business experience and who are doing a lot. And the person that I brought on today for our guest, I think you'll get a credible value out of. You know, today I brought on uh, Jack Eames. He's a uh, West Point graduate. And after uh, being in the Army for about five years, he went on to be involved in uh, all kinds of businesses. And he's been doing it for almost 30 years now and uh, has got a, a ton of knowledge. And, you know, I asked him to come on to talk a little bit about the subject of partnerships because uh, he's done tens of millions of dollars in, you know, as an investor, as um, management of commercial real estate and other businesses and been involved in a lot of partnerships. And it's one of those things that entrepreneurs sometimes get themselves in trouble with. Um, and so he's got a lot of experience in that. And so, I, you know, he's not an accountant or an attorney or somebody who's got theoretical knowledge. He's actually been there and been part of it. So uh, I think you ought to pay attention to him and he can provide us a lot of value. So thank you very much, Jack, for joining us. How are you, sir? Very good. Yeah. Thank you for the nice introduction. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, other than what I said, uh, can you tell us just briefly about your background, uh, particularly, I guess, with partnerships and stuff? Yeah. Well, for the uh, last uh, 22 years, I've managed a uh, family-owned portfolio of uh, commercial and residential properties and uh, hospitality assets. I've been involved in over a dozen partnerships, uh, ranging from a small invention to uh, commercial development gas station, movie theater, uh, the Mount Washington Hotel and Resort at uh, Bretton Woods. Uh, I've experience in family and non-family partnerships, and I've served in about every capacity from limited partner, general partner, and operating partner. Wow, excellent. That's a pretty wide range of experience. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, you know, if you're a, um, you know, obviously our audience here is entrepreneurs and you know, what would you say uh, is, are some of the upsides that you found to, to partnerships, you know, in the past and the ones you've been involved in? I really think it's uh, resources, you know, mm-hmm. um, intellectual experience, management, financial labor. Uh, mm-hmm. That's really the sole purpose. Uh, and of course, putting together a strong group with a common goal. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, the, on the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, what, the, what are some of the pitfalls that you think entrepreneurs need to avoid when they're considering a partnership? Okay. Well, uh, some of the things are the uh, do-it-yourselfers, as I call it. Mm. So nothing wrong with doing a Google search or going to like legalzoom.com to kind of get an idea of a structure of a partnership. But if you're going to form one, you really need to go to an attorney and account to help you out. Okay. Um, next, I'd say is what ifs. You know, if rules the world, right? So you want to consider as many what ifs on the business side 
as well as the personal side and make sure that those are incorporated into your partnership. Okay. Uh, taboo conversations. You know, people feel very uncomfortable talking about marriage, divorce, health, um, death, but they're realities. And you really need to discuss those and make sure that those are covered in your partnership agreement. Uh, good fences make good neighbors. You know, the more details that you can have in a partnership, the better, because the only person that wins an argument in a partnership is a lawyer. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's true, right? Yeah. Um, checks and balances. So with any partnership, you're going to have internal checks and balances just by virtue of the formation of your partnership. But I recommend that you allow for a third party look at a partnership, meaning like an example of uh, say an account. So if you're a partner and you're questioning some of the accounting or want a second look, you should uh, enable them to have a third party at their expense, come in and be able to look at something. Because I see that sometimes that doesn't happen. Um, liability. So you really should value your contribution to a partnership. I think when people go in, they think, all right, there's four of us. We all have 25% liability for this partnership. But the reality is your capital contribution might be greater that you really shouldn't be signing on for an equal amount of liability because you have more at stake. And I think some people just go along to get along and don't, don't bring that up. Uh, the partnership record. Um, I recommend that you record partnership meetings or the partnership minutes, because I find that uh, when the secretary is taking notes and things and it ends up in the minutes, they're shorthand and they lack detail. So if there's a question later on and you have to go back and look, it's hard when it's shorthand and you're just going by memory. But if you record it, then you have a complete record of what was said and it makes things a lot easier. Uh, I, I think you should include uh, timelines and things like exit strategy. And a lot of partnerships are open-ended. They discuss things, but they don't set timelines to those events. And that's kind of a mistake because if it's open-ended, it can drag on and no resolution. You want to have set guidelines, set terms uh, for when things should be accomplished, started, ended, and so on. And uh, finally, I'd say uh, vetting professional services. So a lot of people will say you have an attorney and you say, well, hey, this gentleman represented me in the, the sale of my home. Or you look in a phone book, Yellow Pages, or do a Google search and you just go to that person. You really should find a professional that specializes in your area and you should interview them. You should ask questions. So many people don't do that. They just assume that, well, it's a lawyer. They're a lawyer or they're an accountant and they know what they're doing. That's not always the case, you know, to find someone that works for you and is the best that can serve you. So you need to interview them just like you would an employee. And that's really, I think, the, the things that really come to mind. Wow. There's so many uh, gold nuggets in there. Uh, I'm going to go back and, and watch this again because uh, uh, it's amazing information. You know, the overall theme of getting out of that is, you know, I think a lot of us, uh, myself included, uh, I had a business partner, but it was always sort of informal, you know, kind of, you know, word of mouth. And once in a while, there's a one page document or something. But even at a smaller level, when you're just having a small business partner, or whatever, you still recommend a, a formal process, formal agreements, and, uh, you know, because there's a lot into it uh, from what you were saying and, you know, more detailed, et cetera, that sort of thing. Sure, sure. You know, you're establishing that you, you want to avoid having disputes later on. So everything that you can clearly delineate that you can refer to that addresses any potential issues or concerns, it's, it's in black and white. It's the four corners of your partnership agreement. So there's no debate over it. 
and both parties have already agreed to it. It just simplifies things. So it yeah. just makes sense. So it's nothing personal against anyone. It's just really trying to avoid any complications later. And that, in my experience, or when I've been involved with partnerships, that has been really the downside of partnerships I've been a part of, is that the agreements themselves have been lacking in detail. And any issues that I've ever had have been a result of that. Wow. Yeah, yeah I guess it's uh, when it comes to uh, death and money, uh, people suddenly, uh, you know, when it down to it, you know, uh, it, people that you thought were your friends, not necessarily there and have a quite a different perspective uh, that what you thought was an understanding. So uh, that, changes everything. Yeah. yeah that, or if, that if, if they pass away, you're dealing with their heirs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you That's don't have a relationship point. necessarily with them. So it's, it's good to have a document that you can refer to that says, look, this is what it says. This is what we agreed to. And this is what we're going to follow. Well, and you know, you mentioned you go as far as to detail the partner's personal life. That was one of my questions is what kind of due diligence should you do on, you know, potential business partner uh, for sure. a partnership? Yeah. Well, I like to treat it like a marriage because in many ways it is. So, mm-hmm. and I know this is uncomfortable for some people, but how I look at it is you really want to know someone's personal, financial, and health liabilities, you know, because all those things are going to affect your partnership potentially. Yeah. And if, um, I guess if you're, Somebody's in, in poor health and you don't have that uh, addressed in there, then, uh, like you said, you could be dealing with the heirs and, well, that's fun stuff. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. We both yeah. know, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Let's say you've got, you know, a pretty good agreement. When it comes to uh, an exit strategy, is there anything your average entrepreneur would need to know or, or you think about how you, what kind of plan you should kind of put in the partnership agreement on, on how you extricate yourself from it? either a full dissolution of it or, you know, just you personally getting out of it. Um, any thoughts on that? Well, for a complete dissolution, you know, you would obviously have a meeting of the partners and you need to get a quorum and they would decide, okay, we're, we're calling it quits and get a hold of your attorney and your accountant and they'd walk you through the process. Right. Uh, in terms of an individual, you really want to have in your partnership agreement, how that's handled, you know, specifically how is there, their interest is going to be valued. Hmm. And, and then what is the process for getting out in terms of like a timeline notification and, and all that? So I recommend that, of course, you'll have a business valuation for that interest. And I recommend that you have two be required by the partnership agreement. If you just have one, one party is going to be upset. Either the partnership is going to feel like they're overpaying or the person that's being bought out is being underpaid. So if you have two, you know, they're going to come in different in a way. They never come in the same. Take the average and, you know, that makes things a lot easier. The process normally is that uh, you get a right of first refusal to the partnership itself. And then it would go down to the individual partners that could buy out the one that wants to leave. Uh, the difficulty there is if one of the partners maybe gains a majority interest in the partnership mm-hmm. and that could throw off the control. So that's a consideration. Uh, then, of course, third party. So an outside individual that is buying someone out. So you don't want to have in your agreement um, criteria qualifications for any of the partners, but certainly for a third party coming in, as well as a timeline. Mm. Uh, that's, that's crucial. Because when someone gives notification, they want to get out. That set, should set in motion a procedure. Okay, within this much time, we'll have a business valuation done. And of course, that's predicated upon you know, the accountant that's going to do it, the availability and all that. But 
at least set those things in motion and a set timeline. Because if it's open-ended, that can create a lot of issues as well. If you are in a scenario, let's say, for instance, where the partnership owns um, sort of non-liquid assets, primarily, you know, um, let's say it's a real estate type of uh, partnerships where there's not a ton of cash, it's more of a buy and hold type of uh, theory or whatever. Is there any way for a partner to get out of a, a partnership like that uh, where there's, you know, the, without having to liquidate part of the investments and that sort of thing? Right. Um, yeah. I mean, then you get into the financing part of that. And I would think okay. you, you would have to recognize that within your partnership agreement that you have illiquid assets. So maybe based on, I assume you've got cash flow, of course. So you set up a payment plan based on that cash flow for X amount of time. Maybe you're possible the partnership can go and borrow against the assets, you know, depending on what their debt service is okay. and cash them out that way. That's something you would want to address up front. Um, you know, and we, and we could talk probably all day about because there's so many different scenarios of formation and, and uh, you know, what type of partnership you have and what type of assets, what type of cash flow, you know, the interest of the individual partners. But yes, I, I think typically in that scenario, I think it would be based on payments over a duration of time that's acceptable to both parties. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, you know, and you mentioned, uh, of course, uh, getting good professional help when it comes to accounting and, you know, legal counsel and that sort of thing. Um, besides the, the two basics there, are there any other professionals that you think need to be consulted with this type of thing for somebody who's considering entering a partnership? Those are primarily the two that I've ever dealt with. I really haven't okay. done outside of that. I mean, within those, it's multiple like attorneys. So usually go to an attorney that specializes in business law. Uh, then you might have to go to one that specializes in tax law. Two, dis two separate you know, specialties there. Okay. From the accounting side, you can have a general accountant for the everyday operation. But for business valuation, that is, in fact, a specialty. So I, I typically will deal with like two attorneys and, you know, two accountants. Yeah, but really not outside of that, in my experience, anyway. Okay. Let me ask you this, Jack. If, if uh, an entrepreneur is, you know, considering a, a, a partnership with, you know, investors or other owners or whatever, what kind of things uh, should they look for in those people, you know, along the lines of that due diligence again? Sure. Uh, well, first, I look for integrity. So like in a marriage, if you don't have trust, it's not going to work. Uh, I look for compatibility. So you don't have to be friends with someone per se, but you have to be able to work together and have a working relationship. Don't want to have someone that you're butting heads with, you know, like Sears and Robux, you know, the two of them didn't get along and it wasn't so much uh, <laughs> you know, that their business model wasn't good, but they personally didn't get along. So oh, you know, interesting. You I didn't know that. that. And they split up. Uh, of course, experience. I look for that, you know, like anybody would. I, and uh, I look for someone that's faced adversity. And I don't mean on the personal side, but on the business side. So mm -hmm. someone that's been through a business cycle, you know, gone through a downturn. Uh, I know a, a developer from Florida that came in early 2000s and everything he touched was gold. And then all of a sudden the recession of 08, 09 hit. Never experienced a downturn, didn't know how to prepare for it, got cut, caught, caught flat-footed and really suffered because of it. So you really want to have that. I think that's an important element, you know, with someone that has been through that. Uh, energy and commitment. You know, any startup, any partnership, anything you do, it's one to two years of a lot of time, a lot of effort, and you face a lot of adversity. And I don't want someone that's going to not be committed to putting the time in or going to throw their hands up at the first sign of difficulty. So that's important. 
And then complementary strengths and weaknesses. And I think I mentioned earlier, you're really trying to put together the strongest team possible to achieve a goal. So I look for that. Very much like you said, uh, very much like a marriage, you know, all those kind of the same qualities, you know. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah. And as I, as I mentioned, I had a business partner and I think, uh, I, well, I know I spent more time than I did with him than my wife. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. if, you, if you're going to partner with somebody, you better uh, get along with them. Like you said, you know, right. yeah. um, be able yeah. to trust them. So uh, that's sure. interesting. Great advice. You know, so um, if somebody is looking for partnership opportunities, do you have any recommendations where they might go to, to look for that? You know, they say, hey, you know, I want to expand or I want to get involved in something. Um, any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in fishing in your own pond. So starting local, you know, with okay. current business relationships you have, uh, family, friends. Uh, next, I would say networking. So, you know, Chamber of Commerce, uh, professional associations, alumni. And then I would say opportunity. And those are kind of my favorite mm. way of finding partners. And I give you an example. So the Mount Washington Hotel and Resort. In 1991, the hospitality assets were going up for auction. Our family was interested in one motel that was slopeside on the Brentwood Skiria side. So we'd heard through the grapevine there was another group that was planning on going to the auction and bidding. So we contacted them and we said, hey, any interest in us going in with you? So we have a stronger chance of being successful. And if we are, we'd like to break off with, you know, we'll just take that one motel and you can take the rest. So what became one of our future uh, partners said, actually, we're interested in putting together a group and we want to get all of the assets of the resort and put them back under one umbrella. So this was just the hospitality piece. And it was a golf course, development land, and the ski area. So that's kind of how that came. It's just opportunity, making a simple phone call about one thing, and it turned into others. And some of the other partnerships we've been involved with have been the same way. So. I think those are always the best ones because they lead to, you know, I don't know, interesting outcomes, you know, kind of yeah. a thing. Yeah. And I know it's not always possible, but communication is key. I think asking questions, keeping your, you know, ear to the ground, you know, the saying the dog that cast about finds the bone. So <laughs> you know, just uh, pay attention and, you know, make a phone call and ask questions. You'd be surprised yeah. what you can come up with. But those three things I think are the way to go about it. Okay. Wow. That's fantastic advice. You know, it's all, I'll kind of end it with a question that, uh, that actually you taught me a few years ago uh, when we were talking one day. I think uh, it was about how to interview an attorney. And you said, uh, ask them at the end, you know, what are the questions am I not asking uh, that I should be asking? So, Jack, what, what questions uh, should I be asking about partnerships that I'm not asking right now? Yeah, well, you've been pretty detailed, Rob, I got to say. But uh, I think I would ask maybe, like, is there a magic number uh, that you should have to form a partnership? You know, is it two? Mm -hmm. Is it three? Uh, two, I think you create kind of a power issue with the balance, you know, power uh, mm, for interest. Three, it's, you know, three's a crowd. You can have two gang up on one. You say, well, they're all neutral. That happens. So I really think four or more is, is kind of the magic number. Uh, removal of a partner. I think I'd want to know about that because I don't think people Ooh. think about that. There's oh, the yeah. exit strategy, but nowhere ever thinks about something like malfeasance, you know, uh, mm character unbecoming or, you know, detrimental to the partnership, you know, what's the process for that? And the individual should be afforded due process. So those are things you'd want to incorporate into your partnership. And I think last would be a dispute resolution. So mm -hmm. as you can probably tell, I mean, I respect lawyers and so nothing against them, you know, everybody makes jokes, but 
you know, court, going to court, it's very time consuming, very expensive. And in the end, it's always the attorneys that win and the other parties don't. So I recommend really using arbitration as the means of dispute resolution within a partnership and saying that. Yeah. Well, wow, so, see, I, I never would have thought of any of those questions. So that's uh, that's great. Oh, yeah, <laughs> good. <into> yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, anything else you want to add before we wrap it up here? Uh, no, no. Yeah, it's been a pleasure to speak with you as always. And yes. yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. So, yes, absolutely, you. Jack. I'm, I'm sure the audience is going to get a, a huge amount out of this. Uh, so thank you for your time here. Really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. I hope you learned something you can implement right away. I know your time is valuable and it's really an honor to serve you. Please subscribe and rate the show on your favorite podcast platform and give me your honest feedback. Also, I put together a short ebook on some of the top lessons I've learned in 20 years owning a B2B business. You can download a free copy at growyourb2bcompany.com. 